so appreciate Nick and Matt, Corey and Mary for giving us just a little foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. I was thinking about that on the way to church this morning. What worship is going to be like in heaven with thousands upon thousands singing. And it won't be my voice anymore, praise the Lord. It'll be voices that will glorify God without the tension of the flesh. So thank you, Matt. I appreciate your work. Um, my name is Matt Flora. I have the privilege of being one of your pastors here. And um, the way this is going to go this morning is as usual. I'm going to read the passage from Psalm 84. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord's help. And um, then we'll try to rightly divide this word of truth. Psalm 84. This is on page 493 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take that one. It is our gift to you. Page 493 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 84. This is the Word of the Lord. How lovely is Your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in Your house, ever singing Your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in You, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As you go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of Your anointed. For a day in Your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in You. Let's pray. Father God, these are Your people. They have rose this morning. They have showered, they've cleaned up, and they have came to Your house. I'm not sure what each one's expectations are, Father. But my guess is that they have come to lift their voices and praise You, which we have done. But they have also come with the expectation of having Your Word encourage them, bring conviction that You would be revealed to them afresh and anew this morning. Father, I have I have nothing to offer them. But You have everything. So I pray this morning, Lord, 
that you would use this broken vessel to bear the weight of your word, that it will be spoken clearly, that if there is one here this morning, just one, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that you would reveal all of your characteristics into their heart, that they would see their sin, they would see the opportunity to have that sin wiped away, made right with you. And for those who have come this morning, Lord God, who know You as Lord and Savior, would You speak to them again afresh and anew? Would You reveal Yourself into their hearts that they may in this short period of time be encouraged, be transformed a little bit more into the image of Your Son, Jesus? Father, use this time according to Your purpose and Your plan. May You be glorified. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. In the spring of 1970, a young artist, a young struggling artist, was handed the partial lyrics of a song. The song was incomplete. But as he read these lyrics, it struck a chord with him. This song was about home. This young man's name was Henry, Don, jo Henry John Duchendorf Jr. This young man had grown up in a military family. They had moved often, and he had often longed for a permanent home, a place where he was known, a place where he knew people and had friends and relationships. What added to his uh, yearning for this home was he was extremely introverted, so he had a hard time making friends. And so when he read this this partially written song, it's really struck a chord with him, so he sat down and finished the song. He then recorded it on his next album. Despite his producer's hesitancy, he encouraged him to do this, and he recorded it. Little did Henry know that this song would also strike a chord with millions of people around the world. His album would go on to sell over three million copies, in large part due to this one song about home. The song would become known worldwide and even become one state's official anthem. To Henry's surprise, millions of others felt the same as him, a deep longing for a place where they belonged, where things were right, a longing for home. Henry, Don, Henry John Dutchendorf Jr. is better known as John Denver. And his song, of course, is Country Roads. Almost Heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah Rivers. Life is old there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains growing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home to the place where I belong. Our passage today in Psalm 84 is much like this. It's also about a pilgrimage. To the original hearers of this psalm, it was a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the presence of God. This is the tie that binds us across 2,500 years to us this morning. The years have not changed the pilgrim's objective, the presence of God, to home. Psalm 84 is a guide. It's a map that directs us home. The background of this psalm, the author, there's some discrepancy about this. Most uh, theologians would believe that this probably was written by the sons of Korah. The Sons of Korah is a very interesting uh, background. I won't go into that this morning. I hope that Brent will enlighten us next week when he preaches this. He's the one that mentioned this to me. And 
find it very interesting. We won't go into it this morning for the sake of time. The setting of this Psalm 84, as I mentioned, was sung as a pilgrimage as the as they, children of Israel would come to Jerusalem. Deuteronomy 16.6 says, Three times a year, all your males shall, shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that He will choose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the Passover, at the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and at the Feast of Booths. This was God's requirement. The pilgrimages to Jerusalem, this was a huge part of Israel's culture. It was mentioned from Deuteronomy all the way through the New Testament. This uh, pilgrimage was a celebration. They sang. They worshipped the Lord there. There was public reading of the Torah. There was fellowship. Maybe a reacquaintance of old family and friends. This was a huge part of the nation of Israel's heritage and their culture. To the best of my understanding and the best I can discern, Psalm 84 is broken down into three sections. Verses 1-4, through four, verses 5-7, through seven, and verses 8-12. through 12. As we go into these sections, there's three questions we're going to ask each of these sections. The first question is, what do we see in the text? The second question is, how does Jesus exemplify this to us? And the third question is, how does this knowledge affect our lives? So with that, let's look at verses 1-4. through four. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my, whoops, and my, King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise, Selah. So the first question here is, what do we see in this text? My question is, what motivates words like these? My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. There, there is even apparent by the writer that there's envy at the birds who find their home in God's presence. And blessed are those who dwell in your house. What prompts a heart to write this and to sing this? Now, if you don't know, Brother Steve Mentor is a huge Boston Red Sox fan. And I'm guessing that if I was to ask Steve if he would like to meet Dustin Pedroia, he would probably say yes, right? Dustin Pedroia was a second baseman for the Boston Red Sox. I believe he won an MVP award, and uh, he's no longer playing now. But if I was to ask Steve if he would like to meet Dustin Pedroia, he would say yes. But I doubt that he would say, my soul longs, yes, faints to meet him. And if he did say that, I would worry about him. <laughs> Why not? Why would he not use words, to words like these to describe his desire to meet a, a hero of his? The reason is because Steve does not know Dustin Pedroia. Affection such as this does not come from a distance. Words and emotions like these come from a heart that knows the Lord. Not knows about the Lord, but knows the Lord. Knows His character. Knows His mercy, His patience, His sovereignty, His grace, His justice, and His peace. The one who penned these words intimately knows God. 
Do you realize this is a miracle? One of my heroes is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is a quote from him. Man in and of themselves cannot attain understanding of God. Man in and of themselves cannot attain understanding of God. The revelation of God to human hearts is itself a reflection of who God is. What's Dietrich saying? He's saying that God has the ability to hide Himself from us. But He doesn't. He reveals Himself to our hearts. And this in and of itself displays His good character. It is only by God's grace, by His eternal goodness, that man can have understanding or revelation of who their Maker is. God reveals Himself to human hearts. And it is a reflection of His goodness. The second question of these four verses is, how does, God, how does Jesus reveal God to us? This brings up a plethora of passages that we could point to. I'm just going to point to a few. Colossians 1, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Christ, who is the image of God. John 14 says, whoever has seen me, Jesus speaking, has seen the Father. John 12, whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. John 8, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. God in His infinite infinite goodness chose to reveal Himself to us. Not only did He choose to reveal Himself to us, in Jeremiah 29, He promises that He will. You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God reveals Himself in many ways. He reveals Himself through the Bible. Obviously, He reveals Himself through nature. And He reveals Himself through others. Last Sunday morning, Tina and I had the privilege to to teach Cornerstone Kids. And as part of the things that we do as we do, do Cornerstone Kids, one of the first things we do is take prayer requests. It's, it's just wonderful to hear these prayer requests of the youngest among us. Never overlook their prayer requests and their faith. Lillian Wellman, when it came her turn, said, I have a, I have a prayer request, Matt, and you know what it is. That's all she said. And I knew what she meant. So after, after our, the service, I asked her to pray for me. The words that she prayed matched this sermon perfectly. Yes, she used a little bit different words, but her prayer matched this sermon perfectly. Lillian Wellman, God used her to reveal herself, reveal himself to me, and I am very grateful. But most importantly and most emphatically, God reveals himself through his son. The third question of this passage is, how does the revelation of who God is affect our lives? The revelation of God into the human heart immediately reveals a cosmic problem. I am not Him. He is all-powerful. I am weak. He is faithful and patient. I am discontented and ungrateful. He is eternal. I am finite. He is altogether lovely. I'm selfish. His commands are good and perfect, yet I disobey. He is holy. 
I am fallen. He is righteous. I am lost. The Creator, Designer, Sustainer of all life, the One who created the Blue Ridge Mountains, the oceans, and a million galaxies, is not only knowable, but provides the way for lost sinners to come home. That leads us to verses 5-7. through Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. First question, what do we see in this text? In these verses lies the way home. If you read this carefully, you find a trust here. A trust in the Lord is found here. The valley of Baca, that's translated as the valley of weeping. The valley of Baca represents trials and storms, disappointments and loss. Yet there are springs of water, pools of water signifying life. Where does this strength and this hope come from? This strength and hope comes through faith. Not faith in lineage, or self-discipline, or religion, or good deeds. It is faith in the Lord, and in the Lord alone. This strength and hope comes through faith. Verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are the highways to Zion. This word Zion, we're familiar with it, but it's translated as the kingdom of God, the eternal Jerusalem, home. Zion is translated, among other things, as home. Through Jesus, God not only revealed Himself into the hearts of man, He bridged the infinite gap between them and showed them the way home. 1 Peter 5.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but He died for sinners to bring them safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but He was raised to life in the Spirit. Through faith and trust in Christ, the gap is bridged. Man's sin is cleansed. Relationship with God is restored. The way safely home is marked. The third question, second question, how does Jesus exemplify trusting in God? Jesus' trust in God as He walked this earth never wavered as ours does. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. From the Samaritan well, to the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way to Calvary, Jesus is the perfect example of faith and trust in God. How does faith in God affect our lives? Third question, not only can we know God, but forgiveness and restoration is available through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord is grounded in knowing Him. These things work together. To know God is to trust Him. To trust Him is to know Him. These things work together. 
If you desire more faith, press in to know Him. Open up your Bible. Read the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels. Trust in the Lord is found and grounded in knowing Him. God reveals who He is through Christ. Therefore, Jesus is our primary source of faith and trust. Verses 8-12. through 12. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in You. What do we see in this passage? I believe we see in this passage someone who has a little time with the Lord. A little deeper walk with God. Someone who has history. I think we see the pilgrim has matured. There's some seasoning here. As the pilgrim has walked with the Lord, his affection has grown richer. Time with the Lord has become his greatest priority we see here. The knowledge of God has grown over time and the results are evident. You hear in this passage, God is his protection shield. God is his source of life, the sun. God is properly credited with every good thing in his life. The value of walking uprightly is held in the highest regard. The benefits in trusting the Lord are clearer to this pilgrim. A character of humility is clearly seen in this last passage of Psalm 84. How does Jesus exemplify a growing relationship with God to us? Jesus didn't need to grow closer to God. He was God. Jesus did not need to mature in His faith and trust in the Lord. They were already perfect. However, He did give us many examples to follow. And his, Jesus spent time with God. Luke 6.12 says, In these days He went out to the mountain to pray, and all night He continued in prayer to God. Jesus served selfish, selflessly. John 13 he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus was obedient to his Father. Luke 22, Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus did not need to draw near to God or have God revealed to him. Yet he modeled these attributes of service, spending time, and being obedient to God for us to follow. How does a growing relationship with God affect our lives? Spending time with God results in spiritual maturity. By spending time in the Bible, by spending time in communion with God in prayer, by fellowship, by serving others, and by experience, our normal daily living gradually develops maturity. For the one who has walked through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, with the Lord at their side, there's a greater trust. There's a greater faith. A greater love. Where faith is strong, joy and peace abound. 
I have seen those who have walked, those close to me who have walked through the valley of Baca, who have walked through the valley of weeping with the Lord at their side and they trusted Him. And let me give testimony that, that those individuals that I have seen come out the other side stronger, more filled with joy, more filled with trust, more peace, and their relationship with the Lord is stronger because He shows Himself faithful. Some of you this morning are currently walking through the Valley of Baca. I encourage you, press in to know the Lord. Press into Him. See His goodness. See His faithfulness. God never grows weary of revealing who He is to us. Praise the Lord for His faithfulness. I remember one time years ago, Pastor Jamie described this situation like this, as if you're holding up a prism, maybe a very valuable jewel, and the light strikes it, and you see the beauty of the colors. And then you turn it just a little bit more, and a different facet is exposed as the light hits it, and you see beauty again. This may be a weak comparison, but at least it gives us a picture of what it's like as we go through life seeking to know God with each experience day by day, month by month, year by year, as we strive to press in to know Him, He turns that prism just a little bit more and we see more beauty of our Lord and God. Conclusion. Psalm 84 shows us the way home, brothers and sisters. Verses 1-4 through show us the revelation of God. God reveals Himself to our hearts. Verses 5 through 7 shows us the justification of God, the way to salvation. Verses 8 through 12 show us sanctification, our being molded into the image of Christ as we walk through this life. Country roads are pleasant to live on. Blue Ridge Mountains and Shenandoah Rivers make great song lyrics. But only Jesus can truly take us home. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we are so thankful that You reveal Yourself to our hearts. That You reveal Your beauty, Your goodness, Your grace and mercy, and infinite other great, wonderful, perfect characteristics. We thank You for this, Lord. We thank You, Lord, that You made a way through Jesus Christ that our sins can be washed away, that we can be made whole, that we can have relationship with You, peace and strength in this life. But more importantly, Lord, we have a hope for home. We thank You, Father, that You sanctify us, that You mold us into the image of Christ. We thank You for that, Lord. We can take no credit. Father, forgive us for taking these things for granted. Forgive us, Father God, for turning away and trying to go our own way. Help us to remember Psalm 84 as we go forward this week, Lord. Pardon us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We ask this in His name. Amen. Our assurance of pardon this morning comes from Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. If You, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with You there is forgiveness that You may be feared. Amen.